Who was it? Uh, it was like a, it's actually a sad thing about this guy that got popped for steroids was, it was his UFC debut. Oh, no. Did he win? I think he won, and then they just redid his stuff and everything, and he got popped. And you could, I mean, he was a big boy. Oh, so he he looked the part? He was a heavyweight. He was a big boy, but he had, like, the gut, but, like, his arms were giant and had veins everywhere, and I was like, you got a big old tummy with some big old veined up arms. What do they call that GH gut? Oh, yeah. Where uh, you get these guys who have, like, like these bodybuilders, it's like a big bloated and they'll belly. have yeah, exactly. They'll have like kind of like a, a belly, which kind of looks weird. But they have like abs on top mm-hmm. of this abs big belly. Abs on top of it. It literally looks like a belly, like a stomach, mm-hmm. but it has abs. It's it weird. It doesn't look natural mm-hmm. by any means. So, do you ever listen to that Rich Farming podcast? I didn't listen to. The, are you talking about the one we? The Dave Castro. No, I started listening to it a little bit last night. Which one? Did, which one did you start listening to? That one or did you not the Savant podcast? No? The actual Rich Farming podcast. Okay, no, I haven't listened to that one. And I kind of gotten. Into the section where he starts kind of breaking it down, and there's something obviously he's not disclosing. Some I think something had 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 to happen okay. for him to say the word. He just all he's kind of he's kind of like trying to blanket statement like, hey, he's kind of got a little big for his britches mm-hmm. back in the day. So who is Rich Froning saying Dave Castro was too big for his britches? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like he just got a little bit too big for what his role was and I thought maybe maybe he was just a little bit too egotistical at the time okay it's kind of what he's kind of putting up but there's also some indication like something had happened between the two of them like behind the some beef or something like that has happened but I mean I could see that I mean there's once again it's like Rich Froning and Dave Castro are like two just straight up alpha male right mm-hmm. like i mean that is you're gonna have that you're gonna, I feel like you're gonna have that i mean if you're around two people like that long enough two strong personalities y'all are gonna clash eventually well, just like matt frazier which one just say the same place really the same concept um so like am i surprised no but i do want to know what happened dude you see that video of him handsome walking yesterday who matt frazier uh-uh. dude like far no it's just like the Fast? speed, like he's still like, it makes you wonder if like he was like, I'm not going to compete this year. If he wouldn't go out there and just win it again. I would honestly believe if he would train, because the dude's still working out. Mm-hmm. He's still working out. He's probably just not training hard. Well, I know he had that big uh, ACL surgery. He basically tore yeah. his whole knee up from jiu-jitsu. How's that? What do you mean? Like, is he like... I guess he's back probably doing some things now. He's probably definitely not at full force. Because, no. I mean, that, that surgery, oh, especially ACL, like, a, like six months, yeah. if not to a year. That's not a meniscus deal. But I, I would guarantee, like, you gave him a year. That's what I'm saying. Like, you said, okay. You 12 months. Let's say at the CrossFit Games, he's like, all right, I'm going to train this year to go back. I mean, like, I feel like he would go there and make it and probably still win again. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd tell say he'd win it. But I guarantee it'd be like a top, top five, five. top five, easily top five. You like, I, I don't think you would have to put in a lot of work to get top five. I just wonder where his general strength is now. His engine's probably not nearly as good as it That's used to be, but it probably like, would come back fast. I, I wonder like, how his strength's that. What's though. his like numbers look like right now? Like if you were like do a snatch right now, I mean, he probably could still pull two seventy five. You think so? As strong, I mean, as much of a base he had. I mean, the guy was snatching three fifteen. I mean, that's true. I don't know, man. That's. I mean, I don't doubt it. I don't, well, like, I mean, and, and when he was in, like, like the cross against, like, that year they had that max snatch yeah. a couple years ago, he said he hadn't snatched over 245 all year and then goes and snatches, I think he snatched, like, 305 that year. And then snatched over 245 all year. 
Yeah, I guess that's his benefit also. Like, if he wanted to, like, he's done it for so long. Well, he's did it, like, he has, that's where his base of bread and butter comes from, is the yeah. other weightlifting. And what, he's only had, what, two surgeries? Is that his, the knee surgery and the well, back surgery, right? Oh, yeah, that was, like, that was a long time That was, ago. Long, that was like, uh, pre-CrossFit days. That's pretty good, though. Yeah. But it's funny how people always say that CrossFit's dangerous, but his two major injuries came nothing from CrossFit. Nothing from CrossFit at all? He had back surgery from weightlifting, and he had knee surgery from jiu-jitsu. Yeah, and I think his back deal was like a back squat. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just like a yeah. back squat, disc just blew. Yeah, I think, was he at the Olympic Training Center when yeah. it happened? Yeah. And so, uh, well, today, Cal, obviously, you can probably guess what we're talking about. I can guess it. Go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say new strength cycle. New strength cycle. I guess yeah, that would be yeah, one yeah. every about every four podcasts now. Know, this one out of four, everybody. It makes me wonder, like, <laughs> I don't know if people like to listen to these or not. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I think people, like, start listening to these. And it's like, turn it off. Yeah, I think so. They'll make it very Or hard. I think this is maybe one that, like, they, like, see your post about what we're doing, mm-hmm. and they, like, skip to the part that they want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> that particular day. Uh, so, I won't make this a long, maybe, like, it's maybe, like, a 20 minute or today. I'm not going to go too long in the detail of this one. Because, uh, obviously, in the members group yesterday, I posted kind of a general outline, which that's probably good enough for some people. Okay. But maybe we will a tad bit more into the weeds with each individual day. Um, and we were asking we, questions yesterday about About the strength piece? Yeah. Or about the, uh, the, about the new, cycle. new cycle? How so? Like, what were they asking? Uh, a couple people were just asking, like, if it was going to be more lower and upper body intensive mm-hmm. um, or if we were going to keep the EMOMs. Uh, so, it the, wasn't like well, any, the only reason why – so, the – the, the, the structure, like the actual, like, um, I guess the class structure, the mm-hmm. EMOM's always the, at least in my eyes, is needing to be. I think it works the best. EMOM's works no, the best. Were, they weren't saying, like, it was a bad thing. No, no. They were just saying, like, is it going to be, like, are we going to keep that EMOM yes. style? Yeah, just because it keeps people on pace and it keeps the class moving. Yeah. If you just say, hey, you guys are going to do a three by 10 back squat. You might, you could be there for 10 minutes, you'd be there for six minutes. Yeah, and it's too drawn out. I like the, and I like the uniformity of, like, working and everybody resting at the same time. Mm-hmm. It makes, makes things run a lot more uniformly and you know exactly as managing a class exactly how long the shrink piece is going to take for sure like, okay we're going to lot 12 minutes we're done in 12 minutes like for sure it's also done. easier just to like get people in the right spots mm-hmm. and like in the right numbers yeah i don't know i feel like with bigger classes e-moms are so much yeah easier. like well pretty much that structure will pretty much always be a staple in there it's always gonna be like e-mom style or even i think like thursdays it's gonna be like every three minutes right uh-huh. so we're allowing you to kind of roll through it at your own tempo to a degree, but you got three minutes to get it done yeah. for that strength piece, right? So it's not exactly like, hey, I'm, a minute one, you're doing this one, minute two, you're doing this one. It's just like, hey, you got three minutes to do this chunk of work. If you do it a minute and a half, great. If it takes you two and a half minutes, it's fine too. If you want to draw it out a little bit longer, you can. Uh, but generally, I do like the, the EMOM mm-hmm. structure for sure. It makes things run a lot more smooth. Uh, so we'll go back to the back squats. Um, I know this past cycle, also we went to unilateral work in the way of like a split lunge and the D-ball hold. So we'll actually go to a little bit more of an absolute strength piece with the back squat itself. We'll, I know the, the previous strength cycle, we went a little bit higher volume here as well. We're gonna stick to that a little bit longer where we're gonna still kind of work on the hypertrophy side. So doing set to 10, we're gonna go set to eight this time. We're gonna pretty much maintain eight pretty consistently across, across the board. Elements. So will that still aid in strength? Yes. Um, is it like you'll do, let's say we went through this whole entire cycle of eight and you were to go for a warm back squat at the end of the strength cycle, probably not the most advantageous, but just for more time retention, more for hypertrophy work, and better motor control as well. 
um, can be advantageous in that retrospect. Just because I mean, if you're doing a little bit more of a, a moderate load with a little bit higher volume of reps, you can have a little bit more intention on good quality reps compared to doing like one to three really heavy reps where sometimes the positioning and motor control of the movement can okay, kind of yeah. deteriorate as you go into it. And so you can pretty much maintain that across the board where, you know, each week we'll progressively work our way up intensity. Our percentages are probably going to hover between 60 and 75%. For that kind of rep range, it's about 75% for eight is going to be tough by the time we get there. Um, so we're saying that lower 60 percentile range to start. And we'll gradually work up our intensity from week to week. But something new, I think we've we've done it maybe like on a Thursday workout. We've never done like in a particular strength pieces, the isometric lunch holds, yeah. which I know you like we a did lot. Those, on um, those so, are fun, man. Yeah, but so we'll do this one with a kettlebell front rack position. Okay. So you have suitcase handling down the other side. So we'll actually go to the front rack position, which will be a little bit more as well in the core stability. But this is a really great movement to work on some unilateral strength to a degree. Yes, both like are still supporting you. But also, it's a real good indication on what kind of motor control you have with single legs. Because you'll notice that people, like, either knee starts diving in, they get a little shaky. And definitely see a lot of shaking. A lot of shaking going on there. So it'll definitely help aid in, like, is it one of those moments where you're going to gain a shitload of strength from that? No. But it's one of these moments where the other benefits from that are are going to be visual in the way of like gaining muscle mass or strength, it's gonna be more, you're gonna just feel more solid in a squat because of the isometric holding that you're doing now. And you'll have to be more confident aware of like where your knee's tracking, where your weight is, where your torso it, angle It really is. gives you more, more than anything, I feel like it gives you awareness of your body, like mm-hmm. awareness of like what your knees do, what your lower body is actually doing. Yeah. Uh, it's some good stuff, man. And so you could do that with or without weight loading. I mean, even for some people probably doing it without weights probably can be plenty. Well, be some people do it in body weight. And so, Positioning-wise, looking at both the legs being roughly 90 degrees, meaning then the back knees can be off the ground like a couple, maybe an inch or two is ideal. Now, we can obviously vary that range, but that's about where we want that range to be. And that'll be progressively, um, we can progress that both ways, either by time and or weight. We'll probably do a little combination of both of those, but that's pretty straightforward. Because we'll start for like, I think 20 seconds the first week and then progress maybe up a little bit, up to like 30 seconds, but you can also progress up in loading and or time with that one. So that'll be kind of our Monday cycle. The first week of our strength cycle will kind of get screwed because we have 4th <laughs> July. That's going to get a little nasty. What? That, that combination. That combination? That combination is going to get nasty. I'm sorry, I just cut you off, but that's going to get nasty. No, it shouldn't. We'll do that in EMOS. So we'll have like back squat, then we'll go like right leg, left leg, uh-huh. and then you'll have technically a program rest, with that rest technically being like a minute 40 worth of rest. Okay. Just allowing you to be a little bit more fresh for those back squats. So you need to go bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Like I'm going to roll right through it to each one. Uh... Like I said, this this the first week's gonna be a little bit wonky just because we do have Fourth of July on that Tuesday, which kind of obviously we're not gonna do a strength piece on that Tuesday. But so our initial first week, the Tuesday will actually be bumped down to Wednesday. But the idea is on Tuesdays doing banded pull ups and also tempo Z presses, which is a seated press from the floor. Press. Fancy word for seated press. Yeah, um, I don't know why they call it a Z I don't know, press. It doesn't make sense. Why we understand why maybe like seated, like some people could see like seat, like seat on a chair or a bench. Maybe, yeah. But I don't know why the Z is. That, your body doesn't look like a Z. I don't get the Z. I, I could maybe say like an L, L press. Yeah, L I press. Say L. Um, but a Z makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, but the band of pull. So I think it's the first time we're ever going to program these as a strength component for a class. For a class, for sure. Uh, and so some people are like, oh, I don't need to do band of pull ups. I got pull ups. 
if you've never done them before, don't shill on them because they are tough. nasty too. <laughs> so with the band of pull-up is – so for instance, if I programmed you to do 20 strict pull-ups for multiple sets, not just one set but like three or four sets, unless you're a freaking pull-up ninja, which nobody here is that good at strict pull-ups. We're not that. Nobody in here is that good at them, right? That your, your movement quality is going to go down. The likelihood of you having to break it up is pretty high. You're nowhere you're probably going to do all 20 or broken every single set unless you take these humongous long breaks. And so it's a way for us to build more volume in that vertical pulling position and more than likely allowing you to keep a little better positions because of it as More well. That. So, I mean, we're talking between 15 and 20 reps on the band of pull-ups. So the first, like, probably six to eight reps, you're like, God, this is nothing. That back half, man. And you get to about 12, yeah. 14 reps in, you're like, oh, That's this where it's is, gonna kind of sink yeah. in a little Especially bit. when time you get to that second set and you have a lot more blood in your, in your, in there. In your bicep. You're getting pretty right. good at that. But now that you've got blood in your biceps and your lats, that, that it makes a, a humongous difference on that. So don't shit on those, those, that movement. Definitely give it a shot before you give me any shit it's about gonna programming. Be, it's going to be a nice change of pace, I think, for people. And then uh, we'll go with some C to Z presses, uh, or a Z press because this C is considered seated, Z, I guess. Yeah. Now, let me, like, let me ask your opinion because I'm sure maybe you've done both. When doing a Z press, do you prefer a kettlebell or a dumbbell? To me, I feel like you like it, you like dumbbell better. I mean, so you're I, talking about easier, like I would rather do. Well, I'm saying in the way of the effectiveness of the oh, let's talk about that. For effectiveness, I mean, I feel like you get more out of the kettlebell, probably. I agree. Um, and that's what the, what a program will call for. The only bad thing about the kettlebell being programmed is that it uh, it's the increments, weight increments, right? Yeah. So you going from like 25 to 35 like is a tough jump, right? So. Some people will have to do dumbbells. I would prefer kettlebells being the option. The reason being is that it creates a more full range of motion and allows you to get the kettlebells into a fur further into the anterior plane of the body, meaning the frontal part of the body, compared to the dumbbells where you're essentially just stopping right at the shoulder, right? Compared to the kettlebell where I can bring the, the chin, or sorry, the hands below the chin, almost to the base of the neck, which gives me a little better range of motion. And also, it almost creates like a mini Arnold press because you allow kind of it like a, little, a, little twist. a little bit of a rotation at the top there. So I prefer the kettlebell over that just for that particular reason. And I really like that movement because of the fact that it forces you to stabilize your spine or your midline has to stay engaged. So you don't want them like with their backs on like a wall or like Yeah, you'll see some people do that. Um, Especially if you like really, really need to, I feel like. Yeah, if you kind of, I mean, in my argument, if you lack some shoulder flexion, like you lack overhead mobility, you probably still want to go to a seated position. You just got to lighten the load up. Yeah. So you have to kind of check the ego on that movement. Because you can be a guy who's actually super strong in that particular movement, but really suck at the Z press because of the mobility that you have. For sure. And so it's a, it's a, it's a great movement, from, in my opinion, because it, it, it allows the midline to stay more stable in it. You'll be able to, and if you overextend, you're going to fall over. Mm -hmm. And it'll be a tempo size, so you're not going to be able to just rep through the movements. You're going to actually have pause at the top, some controlled lower, so it's more time retention. So, which will also help create more shoulder strength, but as well as shoulder stability and possibly creating better overhead positions for mm -hmm. other things in the future. So, when you go to like a barbell push press or a push jerk or handstand push ups, all these things can help transfer over to better positions. Be yeah. And so, uh, we'll progress that over a couple of weeks as well. Wednesdays is going to be a tad bit different where we're kind of combining a skill piece, a core piece, 
and kind of like a, a, a speed explosive piece okay. to a degree. So I'm still trying to keep the thing with like trying to keep a skill in there. So the skill so being... So when's this still being like a skill day? Yeah, so this kind of being like a skill okay, slash strength piece. Okay, I told people yesterday, say they just learned crisscrosses. And so they did crisscrosses in the workout yesterday. Oh, they did? Yeah. They said that They're like, I learned, just learned this. How many, I'm going to do did it. Did anybody say like, oh, we're doing crossers now my double ones are all screwed uh, up? A couple people. A couple like, people. Kyle said uh, that. But I thought that was funny. There was no, they were like, no, I bought this rope. I'm, I just learned them. I'm going to do these. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll practice the handstand walk. Uh, so it's a great opportunity under less stress to practice over the next couple of weeks. That way you can get repetitive Every week, you know, you're going to come back to them. Obviously, they're not going to be programmed the first week because of 4th July, but it's a way for you guys to learn. If you guys don't have any interest in doing handsome walking, maybe you can work on getting into a good handstand position or like a wall walk position, and or you could just do like an overhead walk, which is still great for overhead positioning. In which general. we did those the other day, and that was tough. Yeah. So those are all options on the table. Uh, we'll go seated box jumps. So I think this is another great option to kind of work on just some athleticism and some speed, not being in a barbell setting. So a lot of times like CrossFit in general, really for the most part, you're getting most of your, like your speed explosive work from a barbell, like snatch or clean for mm-hmm. the most part, unless you're doing like speed power, like a speed back squat or a speed bench press. But for the most part, most of the speed work's gonna come in the form of like a power clean or a snatch when it comes to CrossFit. And I guess you can say like just a box jump in general being Could like be a that. speed movement. But doing it from a seated position, you're basically can't really create any momentum into the jump, which will help uh, facilitate more fast twitch muscle fiber, which will help improve athleticism and speed explosiveness, uh, which can then help to transfer over to other things like snatching or cleaning. cleaning, things of that nature, right? Or just just athletic speed in general. If you'll notice that, I take somebody like Matt Cole, mm-hmm. where he's very snappy and quick. If you go watch him on doing like a, a like a box jump or like see a box jump, he has that same explosive and speed, yeah. right? Like. You don't see somebody who it's kind of it, it has it has transfer over, right? It's not very often that you see somebody who is like speeding and snapping the barbell, not be able to jump like speeding yeah. and snappy as well, True. or vice versa. Like you can have somebody like if you even just put them through that test of kind of visually seeing, hey, let's do, let's have you do a seated box jump, let's see what it looks like. You can probably tell visually just looking at that particular person how well they're going to do Olympic lifts because of that. Yeah, their forms not going to be perfect, right? But you could tell. Based on how the speed they're moving, like, okay, these guys, this guy could probably could power clean a lot of weight if his form and technique is sure. proper. I can always tell by, like, just seeing how high they land. On the yeah, box. yeah. Like, if, if they can, like, land pretty high, like, a little bend, I'm like, oh, that's going to be pretty decent. Yeah. And so we'll go through that uh, as a, a general strength piece and then work on some V-up progressions. That'll be a little bit more like a... Uh, not necessarily like straight V-ups, not necessarily like pound V-ups, like a show up, so like T-bong, pound and volume of V-ups, so like more um, positional stuff in the way of like hollow uh, body stuff, maybe some some uh, supine leg raises in that position, okay. hollow rocks, but also and then pairing up also with some V-ups as well, so actually the practice of the V-up. So which hopefully- that's gonna affect the handstand walk too. Which that will affect the handstand walk, because I know we did a, a combination of that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, handstand um, walk with the tax cores a little tough. tough. Yeah. And so we'll kind of progress that over from week to week. And then lastly, on Thursdays, Thursdays I try to reserve to be a little bit more bro sessy ish. Bro sessy ish. Tish to degree. So we'll go landmine rows. 
Um, the landmine row, essentially, you think of it like you're taking the barbell, you're putting it in the corner of the room or the, uh, the wall, mm-hmm. and then you're going to stand like you would normally with a barbell, but by the sleeve of the bar, holding the end of the sleeve, essentially hinging at the hip, and then from there, rowing, bringing the hand towards the bottom of the rib cage, right? So the elbow is technically going to probably fare a little bit more out compared to like a dumbbell row, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more in. Uh, I actually feel a lot more contraction in my lats and my back when I do this move compared like to a, a, a like compared to like a normal dumbbell row. Yeah, for me, I don't know how. Like, like seeing you alone. Mm-hmm. And so, the. I wonder if it's because you're horizontal with it. Um, it doesn't have to do. I think it has to do more with the elbow position. Like elbow I position. think to a degree, but I thought this was a really good option because one it. Obviously, we're working on the vertical pull of the strict pull. We do a lot of vertical pulling across it already as it is. So I try to be mindful of programming at least like or close to once a week programming some type of like rowing variation. Not like a, a row on the rower, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about like a like a ring row or a barbell row or even like, to like a high pull. We're kind of changing the pulling pattern. We're not always in that vertical that pulling pattern. And, but also I like you know, lateral work as well that way because we also do a lot of bilateral work in CrossFit too. You're always, for the most part, you're squatting a lot with both legs, you're pressing with both arms, you're pulling with both arms. It's like they have a tendency to like favor a side like that. Yeah, right? and you're always going to notice when you do one arm at a time, one leg at a time, that one's going to probably be a little bit stronger than the other. And so, because of that, also you create imbalances which can, can lead to injury and, and compensations. And so, I like the unilateral pulling factor but a lot of times when we program like a strength rowing factor it's usually a barbell like souvenir row or barbell row which is a bilateral movement and we don't have heavy enough dumbbells to program like a single arm rowing motion okay so the landmine row coming into play where it's allows us to do a unilateral work and in a class setting you can add progressive overload with that movement and you're working one arm at a time in a class setting like i said because we don't have enough because usually you can you can pull a good amount of weight in a, in a rowing motion uh, you know, a lot of the guys could probably pull, you know, 40, 50 pounds plus in our classes, right? And so when you got a class of, let's say you got a class of at noon, so you got 10 guys yeah, at noon class, like we don't have enough heavy dumbbells to program that. And so that's why the landmine row is going to be introduced with that is allows you to still get some good work in with progressive overload with weight one in one arm at a time. So that's the reason I program those. And then also with some dip. So I think for the upper body, you know, I think this is such a great movement. It's like, for my, in my opinion, it's 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 the the pull up up of the pressing movements is okay. a dip, right? So a like, dip. yeah, because you got to think like, how much of a separator is like strict pull ups? How much separate like dips are for sure in that concept? Where I agree with you. You know, saying like you have a lot of people who can do push ups. And they can't do dips. They can't do a dip. Right? Yeah. I feel like this it's kind of the same concept. Like probably the amount of people that we can have do strict pull-ups, the same amount of people we have to have strict dips. But we have a lot probably. of people who can do push-ups. Yeah. In my opinion. And I so dips are like impressive if you can do a dip. Especially if you do like really good dips, like good yeah, quality like a good dips. Quality dip. Like good range of motion yeah. and like good control. You're not like like that kind of it's like almost like you get lifted up into the heavens, you're like, oh like, like arch back arch, position. Arch back, yeah. yeah, when people do the dip. And so uh I think it's just a, it's a good move to continue to come back to. I, for my, in my opinion, for the most part, like strength wise, I like the matador dip to have a little bit more of a stable surface compared to the rings, just in the strength piece. 
I think the rings are still good to have um, to work on some stability work. But for like a, just a general strength of a bodybuilder, I like the Nadal better personally just because the stability factor isn't as much there. Just for general strength purposes. Now, if you're trying to work on more shoulder stability or, and or you're trying to like maybe trying to get like a ring muscle up. You might you, want to favor rings. You might want to favor into the rings. But like for instance, it's still a good gateway that if you can accumulate some more strip dips, the ring dip will be a little bit easier as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so, sure you're going to get this question. What? Which way do you want uh, to the facing? face on that? That's always a question, right? Like do you face That's forward or happen outwards? That's going to happen for sure, 100%. I personally like to face outwards. On you the like way. outwards? Me personally, just because of the fact that if you think of how the mad doors are, they're kind of somewhat angled outwards. Mm-hmm. So if you face outwards, the shoulder is a little bit, it's a tad bit more externally rotated, rotated. Slightly, not a whole lot. And it also allows you to have a little bit more of a forward lean into the dip as well. Mm-hmm. Compared to if you like, you're facing to the rig, your, your chest can hit the rig and yeah. almost limit your range of motion. So me personally, I feel like I get into a deeper, better position facing away. From like the it's more of a stretch. Yeah, you get a better. Well, it puts the shoulder more into a, a more of a shoulder extended position, like mm-hmm. shoulder extension. Which you know you'll hear, hear some people um, complain about, like some shoulder impingement when they do dips on like dips, because of the fact they probably lack shoulder extension, extension. and or internal rotation of the shoulder, which then from there you go into a deep position it can feel uncomfortable and painful and i think dips for the most part are really good especially with this picker movement there's like you can kind of like i'm trying to get my thoughts out like there's some movements like okay you can move a little bit quicker with that movement it's, it's not as bad and some movements are better to be formed a little bit slower and yeah. like dips is like one of those movements like performing a little bit slower is probably a little probably better, better for you to do for sure. Um, just because of, the, of that shoulder extension that you're going to be in, and if you kind of like are cranking really hard into that position, uh, it can be bad on the shoulder. So definitely being in control of that movement and owning that movement and like not just slamming at the bottom and actually controlling yourself into that bottom position and then with a good solid lockout, I think it's a, it's a great movement pattern because I mean, think of anything else that, I mean, we put the shoulder into extension, but a lot of times we're limited because of the floor and or the barbell. So think of it like, uh, you know, when you go to a bottom of a push-up or a burpee, you're in shoulder extension, but you've only can you go down as far as you Yeah, right? the floor's in the way, unless you're doing like a deficit burpee. Yeah, I guess you do that, or deficit like push-up. Plates up or something. Yeah, or like a deficit push-up. Um, or like, like a barbell bench, where I'm saying you put your shoulder into a shoulder extension, but once in the bars and limiting the round region, yes. you can go. But the dip doesn't, you can have as much range of motion as you want, essentially at the really? end of the day. I mean, you just raise it up and you have much yeah. motion. And so it's one of those things where with a dip, if you switch, if you lack shoulder extension, it's, it's a great tool for you to build maybe some more range of motion with that, but also building strength in that range. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I like, I think it's a really great movement for the upper body, especially the pressing of the upper body. Um, so you'll see that, I don't program obviously every strength cycle, but I like to come back to it somewhat regularly to a degree, just because we don't, and we don't do a, a shitload of dips here. We do them, I try to program at least every couple of weeks here at the yeah. gym. I say what, probably like once, twice a month, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And so it's still, a, a, some compared to like some that we're programming like a push-up or like a pull-up, it doesn't get, like weekly. it doesn't get as programmed as often. Yeah. So I still like to try to program inside the strength piece. And so, um, so yeah, that kind of puts a wrap on the strength cycle. We'll run through that through the month of July. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like 
people are gonna like the four week or five, like in the four week cycle better week? compared to the six uh, week cycle. I feel like we'll have a better idea after this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think people like it, like the change of pace. Well, change is quickly. Like, yeah, instead of like doing something for like six to eight weeks. I think this is definitely going to be able to, like, they can, like, oh, okay, look, now I can look forward to doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but have that same, like, like you kind of said earlier, like, you're still in that Imam style. You're still something you're kind of comfortable with. Now we're just kind of changing the yeah. movements up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's kind I'm of like... how you feel about well, it. Well, it's, 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 it depends on what coach you're talking to. For sure. Because it depends on what lens or, like, what microphone I'm talking through. Because I'm like in the way of like effectiveness, I'm not as big a fan of it. Well, yeah, I mean, because I feel like, like probably more like six to eight weeks is probably more ideal, ideal, right? To see like the most benefit from the actual program, but also at the same time, the the caveat to that is if nobody, the best program is the one you're gonna stick to, and if people aren't enjoying the program, they're not. uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, Not coherent. Uh, It's another word, but basically consistent with the Uh program are hearing to the program that they're not going to see effectiveness that way either. And so it's like, okay, if I can put you on a four week cycle and you that keeps you and give you effort for four weeks and you're enthused about the strength cycle for four weeks, because you know, it's going to change, then that's your best bet. For sure. Right. And so it depends on, and everybody's different, but, uh, and I think if you were to like, let's say like, I mean, we did a bit doing Bulgarian split squats, right? Which that kind of ties into what we're about to do next, which is going to be like the back squats, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if it were to like going from like Bulgarian split squats to like bicep curls, like, right? It's like yeah. you're, you're keeping like a theme. So to a degree. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to at least focus on at least you know, just picking something out of a hat. Yeah. At least try to focus on at least one lower body movement to a degree, at least one upper body pull and press one somewhat to a degree like a, a i'm trying to stick to a, a skill here as of late and some type of explosive speed movement usually it's done in the form usually like a like a power clean like this past one was actually like the the push arc mm-hmm. right that's more of an explosive power movement but this time we'll go like more of a body weight like in the form of the seated box jump just to kind of kind of change things change up a little bit it's kind of the idea of what when i go to program for each particular strength cycle so they're all going to kind of like benefit from each strike cycle to the next one because you've gained some strength from these other things that we've done before like you know just because we're not doing if i'm doing front squats that's still going to have transfer over to the back squat yeah and then same thing vice versa and so even though like the first time i go do front squats like oh god i ended up landing front squats and why they feel like crap it's just because you're not used to that compicker movement pattern by week two you're going to be calm yeah you're back in right the, you're right, right back in the plane of things and so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of how things will play out there. And then we'll continue on with uh, the extra credit, which I don't know if people in the afternoons have been doing. I know some of the more people in the morning have been doing it. Uh, I know, like, I know, like Dan Perry's been doing it. Okay. Um, it's more like people that um, have like little like tweaks or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of like pick and choose a couple things out of extra credit, and they've been doing it. Okay. Uh, so I mean, so this is I'll give you. I'm not gonna. Talk about it all, but this is kind of what next week looks like. That's the next for the next week. Yeah, I didn't program anything for Tuesday because of because uh, of Bert because of Fertilia. Yeah, you can kind of take a look at that and tell what you think. I like it. I mean, I've looked at two days so far. So essentially, to a degree, you're gonna have anywhere like Thursday. They only program two pieces. There's some other days in there I program four pieces. You'll have a most of the days you'll have some type of like extra conditioning piece in there. 
Um, you'll usually have a little bit more of a technical piece in there, like a snatch or uh, you know a jerk or whatever. Maybe you'll have like some accessory work in there, um, kind of program kind of sandwich in between. So you can kind of cherry pick in there. Kind of pick what you and want. choose what you want. Like Monday looks like kind of like lower body, kind of like mm -hmm. lower body intensive. You get to Wednesday, it's kind of like keeping that push press, push jerk theme, like upper body, shoulder endurance. Yep. Was that Thursday? Thursday, you're pulling and stuff again and doing a little bit of core work with the farmer's carry. I like that. And IWT for all you people that have never done an IWT. That could be fun. Interval weight training. Yeah. Uh, I thought about programming those in classes. I don't know how that would go over. I've always waited for you to do it, but I'm like, I don't know if you want to do that too much. It's hard. It's hard to... Because uh... it's, it's a hard time. Because you're, like, you're kind of like moving through that first movement pretty fast. Um, but I've thought about doing it. But, but you definitely could do it. I but mean, the thing is, like, we'd also have to come up with a standard for all the colors, like what meters they would have to hit, for instance. That's well, that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. Like, how are you going to determine what they need to be getting, you know? So, I mean, you real can quickly, make it I to, like, where black has to get this. Well, yeah, I mean, I would know what the black's going to be, and then from there you'd have to right. reduce it maybe down by, like, 50 meters, 50 I guess, meters, or 25 meters. But, so essentially an IWT is interval weight training, which essentially is you start, it's basically are always pretty much three sets with two in a rest for each set, is you would do 10, 10-ish of a particular movement. So let's say you do 10 clean and jerks at 135, uh -huh. with the intention of it being like you need to move for the 10 reps, right? You're not trying to sprint them, but you're not lollygagging through the 10 yeah. reps either. You have intention. You have intention behind moving for the 10 reps. Immediately into a two-minute row or a two-minute bike or a run, something of that nature, more often than not, we usually program a row. Row. And with the intention of you hitting an X amount of meters in that two minute time frame. So like the goal center for the guy would be 600 meters yeah. plus within that two minute range, which you basically got to hold like a high 130s, 140, 140-ish is about where you had to hold for that two minute pace. So, I mean, you're having to pull pretty hard. Rest two minutes and repeat that for a total of three sets. But the girls would probably be somewhere around like 550-ish, ish, give or take a little bit. Um, we'd have to do a conversion on that. And then we'd have to determine based off each individual color, like where that would fall into. Like, and I wouldn't know the exact science on that, whether it'd be 50 meters or 40 meters or 25 meters. Yeah, and I'm also trying to think like, how many people are going to treat the IWT with the intention of an IWT? Well, and that's a, that's a tough part because... Because people who are doing IWT normally know what that place is mm -hmm. and, like, know how to get there. I don't know if everybody knows how to get to that place to make it effective. Well, because it's, it's not... It's hard. Well, with an IWT, it's not... You can't... Because you could definitely game it, and that's not the point of the workout. Yeah. If you game it, then you're not getting the stimulus. You're not going to get what you need out of it. Because if I'm gaming it, I could easily just really ease through those 10 reps mm -hmm. to be a lot more fresh to hop on the rower sure. and bang out the two minutes as hard as I yeah. can, right? Where essentially I'm just doing three sets of two minute intervals. But the, the purpose of being in interval weight training is that you're intentionally moving to the barbell like if it wasn't an overwork, like, yeah. right? If I was doing three rounds of time of like a 10 clean and jerks with a 600 meter row three times the two minute rest and each round was for time, that's how it'll want you to move through each one. Yeah, I always thought of IWT as like last two minutes of workout, last three minutes of workout, and you gotta go, mm -hmm. that's what I always kind of like related to. Yeah, that's a good way to think about right. it. That's essentially what you're trying to create when you're doing like IWT. To me, it just shows you that you have more in the gas tank than you actually think you have. Mm -hmm. Especially well, it, it shows you another right. gear that you didn't quite yeah. know you had, and then 
and being able to hold that gear longer than you think you know you had. It's kind of that's another thing. You get a minute in that row, and it's you're going to be hurt. Yes, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you have a minute. You're about to rest two minutes. Like you can you can do it. You kind of just close your eyes. Mm-hmm. I know for me, it was always close your eyes and just just kind of go. I could never close my eyes. No, because if I close my eyes, then my pace would get thrown off. I had oh. to have watch my monitor the whole time. I had. I can't. I can't. I could do that on the bike. On the bike, I can zone out, but not on the road, man. I got to close my big eyeballs. <laughs> I wonder what it would be for like a bike. Like what would the standard be like? Probably forty calories. Forty. Ugh. But yeah, probably. Probably forty ish. Yeah. Probably like 40, a gold standard. 30, forty and thirty two, something like that. Ugh. Bike would be yeah. nasty, dude. I mean bike would be really bike nasty. Would be real nasty. Like doing ten power cleans and then doing like a bike. Yeah. Ugh. And row run would be a little bit harder. It'd probably have to be more like for me to run under a certain time frame, right? Like probably under like sub one thirty runs. <sighs> I've never done it with a run, dude. But I'd have to assume it's but the intensity that you have to apply to the rower, I'm trying to think of the yeah. same intensity you'd have to apply on like the other apparatuses, it would have to be probably around like 40 calories in the bike. It'd have to be probably a sub 130-ish, 400s. Yeah, yeah I'm close to. I'd probably agree to you. Like it's a full sprint, 400. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty hard sprint. It's basically like, the way you're pulling on the on the rower is like if you were gonna pull, you know, somewhere to a, maybe not, maybe not quite a 2K, but I mean, you're pulling like probably close to like 15, if I told you, 1500 meters for time. Yeah. That's about kind of the pace you're I don't know. With. I mean, you're, I love you too. You're, you're working pretty close to like a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you're like at 90%. You're, you're not, you're not messing around at 90. You're, 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 if you're not yeah. at a hundred, you're touching it. It's not a sprint, but like, it's a, it's a controlled, like, uh, it's almost got like a hellish tempo to it to where like, it's not, it's not a full on sprint, but you're, you're, you're pushing it pretty quickly. For sure. And so, uh, but it's something I've, I've toyed around with. I've, I've never pulled a trigger on it because I'm like, I'm not quite sure how to transfer over the class. I might just program like one day. You could just try it. With no like intention to like program it further and just see how it goes over and see how people would feel with it. Yeah. But just so you know, if, if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far to the podcast, you know what an IWT is now. Yeah. Um, but when I was competing, that was programmed pretty regularly. And I feel like that was an amazing tool that I benefited Boy, from back in the day. For sure. So, um, I feel like you really get to like understand you and what you're good at yeah. during IWT. So, uh, so July cycle starts next week, obviously, July the 3rd, and then that'll run through the month of July, and then we'll start you guys off in August or something else. See you guys. Later.